Alright, good morning. It's Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> um, and uh, we will see how things go today. Um, I have something that I've been thinking about this morning. I've thought about it a lot over my whole career. Um, when it comes to problem solving. So, one of the things that really kind of got me going on the whole continuous improvement path was the concept of finder to fixer ratios. You know, the whole um, how many people could find a problem, you know, compared to how many people could fix them. <clears throat> and an ideal target is one to one. Albeit there's caveats and qualifiers and all that, but the, the base of it is um, do we have enough people that are able to solve problems that they find on the front line and know how to escalate them or get the help they need when they you know, reach the, a limit? Um, and as they get coaching on problem solving and get feedback, they're able to grow at a level where they're able to solve more and more complex problems, you know, and, and whatnot. And it's a it's a, a journey for sure. I mean, to me, that's you know, there's all kinds of tools and other stuff, and you know, the world of continuous improvement. But problem solving and getting building people up are to me the kind of the most important ones that are seem to get overlooked. Right? It's like go say, hey, you need to 5S your area. Or, you know, you can get somebody to the point where they're able to see why, you know, utilizing 5S as a tool in the toolbox to solve a problem is important. Um, I'd rather have someone get it, um, if, even if it takes a little bit longer, than, uh, than you know, force things onto people when they, they may not know what it is that we're trying to do. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, there's people on bicycles that didn't use a turn signal or didn't like kind of show that they were turning. Um, anyway, um, so thinking about that, you know, problem solving. How do you drive it in a more formalized way on the front line level? Uh, that's that's the big kind of thinking going on in my head this morning. Um, I try to stay away from forms um, with many fields. I, the more fields, like, the kind of sicker and sicker it makes me feel because I feel like templates and forms are good for kind of learning the thinking of problem solving, but it also it takes away and turns problem solvers into fill-in-the-boxers. And... I've seen plenty of corrective actions uh, over the years and stuff where, you know, you just fill in the box and you don't really think. Um, at the same time, um, you know, I've tried to get people to try a blank sheet of paper approach and it just like deer in the headlight, like I don't know where to start. So this morning, my thinking kind of got around, well, you know, while maintaining simplicity, 
the, the same thinking that happens from a knot chart uh, and try to apply that to uh, you know a problem solving approach. So you know knot chart is where you take a problem and you write down what you know and uh, and then the evidence you have to support knowing that and then the things you uh, need to know, have an opinion about or think you know and what you will do to uh, kind of close that loop so that you end up knowing those things. You can turn whatever you don't know into a known. So I was thinking, well, let's get a sheet of paper and divide it into thirds. The first third is, what do I know about the problem? Um, just write down everything I know, whatever data I have, um, and that's that. Um, and then the second third of the, the page would be, well, what, what do I think I need to know or have a thought about or have some uncertainty about related to this problem? Um, right? So, um, man, if I knew, you know, how many times this happened, like, I think it would make it easier to solve the problem. Um, if I had data on this, it would be easier to solve the problem. Um, so on and so forth. Um, and then the the last third is, you know, like the step I'm working on, or whatever steps I, I need to do, um, you know, and and that would be updated as I go as I learn new things. Hey, I need to collect this data. Okay, now that I've collected that data, um, I can kind of move something from the I don't know this column, um, or I need to find it out. Into well, now I know, and I cross through my action item on that list. So I feel like that might be a simple way to get frontline problem solvers problem solving. Um, just a simple um, thing like that because a lot of the feedback we've been getting giving to folks is, hey, their growth in the company is going to be largely dependent on problem solving. Uh, and and for us to show that you're a good problem solver, we need to document these problems that you have solved. Um, and so we will see if maybe I can come up with a quick form, but that's kind of been the, you know, as I think further, uh, I need to engage with folks that are already good problem solvers and ask them, hey, uh, how could we transfer, you know, the thinking of problem solving to other folks on the team and try to not operate more, you know, kind of singularly, but involve people that are already pretty good at it and see what uh, feedback they have on what they would do. I mean, treat the lack of problem solvers as a problem itself and see kind of what the thinking is of the folks who were, you know, kind of touted as good problem solvers. Um, so we will see if that is something that works or not. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the thinking I have this morning. How, how I can get people to be more problem-solving focused. Um, you know, 
have a lot of problems every day. A lot of what I see, even from frontline leaders, is like, I am, you know, just going to say I have a problem and wait for someone to come solve it for me. Definitely fix mindset below the line thinking. Um, you know, like that, that's happening in one area of the factory right now. And, you know, it's like, well, I told someone I had a problem. It's like, well, okay, uh, did you come with data? Did you speak to the impact? Well, no, I don't have time to do that. Well, if you don't have time to do that, it probably means you don't have time to have a problem to begin with. So, like, if that's going to slow you down and make your job impossible to complete, um, as a frontline leader, perhaps taking a few extra minutes and, you know, attempting to get through that problem would be a good idea. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's funny, the people who know the, the factory that I work at, um, would probably know who I'm referring to right away, but, um, we definitely put someone in a leadership role who has no business being in a leadership role, who, uh, is not very coachable, You know, every conversation is like a game of telephone. I mean, you say one thing and uh, they, they definitely hear something else and start communicating something else. Um, so it's like, hey man, you can't be doing that. Oh yeah, it's okay for me to do that? No. <laughs> so, um, you know, I know there's been a lot of coaching, a lot of effort to try to, uh, you know, uh, bring this person to a different level. But I don't know. I mean, it's been years. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes you know, all the coaching and feedback in the world, you know, can still not lead to someone being a good leader. I mean, sometimes you know, you just gotta uh, try them in a different spot. Um, but uh, that maybe what we gotta do with this individual who uh, just hasn't really figured it out. Uh, you know, having to present something, and, uh, yeah, I, I 
really enjoy that. It makes me kind of miss uh, being in front of customers. That's you know, kind of how I treated it. Was uh, the folks I'm speaking to are my customers, and I need to uh, you know, treat it like that. And it really makes me want to get back in front of a customer and you know, uh, kind of go through things with them and talk about experience is talking to them about our quality system, whether it's like a supplier audit or talking through uh, how we meet requirements or even explaining when we have a non-conformance. Um, you know, I, as much fun as it was to, you know, sit through MRB or FRB with the customer, just the whole interaction is, uh, It's fun when you're not doing them anymore. <laughs> um, but I kind of missed that. Now, I was getting that um, pre-COVID by giving tours and everything. I give like two or three tours a week, and I absolutely love doing that. Um, I've done some virtually, but I haven't done uh, done enough of them lately to kind of satisfy that uh, customer-facing element yet. Um, but uh, we'll see um, you know, how things go. But um, it was nice to, to do that. Um, uh, and I'll probably have to continue to do it uh, as long as we uh, aren't uh, meeting an operational excellence goal for outbound freight. Um, as I probably spoke before, we're looking to consolidate partial truckloads into full truckloads. And uh, let me tell you, that's just been a exercise and fun um, and uh, I don't mean fun as a fun way um, just complicated <laughs> um, seems easy but um, I know where a lot of our customers locations are now and I can tell you where really obscure cities in Mississippi and Ohio are <laughs> um, but it's it, yeah um, it's good I think it'll be uh, beneficial to you uh, in the long run. We'll be able to save ourselves some uh, save ourselves some some outbound freight. Uh, sorry, there's someone behind. Damn, I'm giving a lot of commentary about what's going on, but there's someone behind me who is singing his heart out. He's like really getting into the song that he's singing. Uh, it's pretty entertaining to uh, to watch him. And I think he, uh, someone who works in my office, so uh, he's one of the production operator. Can't really tell, um, but <laughs> that was entertaining at the stoplight. I was at. Um, looking at today, um, you know, uh, don't really have anything notable though. I gotta get some uh, some things put together for some potential automation projects. Uh, really would like to get a a tugger cart that's uh, automated, um, like a robot. I think that would be a lot of benefit to the business. Um, we got some people that just move um, move you know some things that aren't really 
important for them to be moving, but they're necessary, you know, they're needed at some point. And if it's not time critical, or even if it is time critical, having the robot move it um, seems just like it'd be a really good idea. As I'm finding with a lot of these automation things, you know, um, you get a little bit sticker shock. <laughs> you know, there's some cost in there that's like, oh man, uh, let me run my math again, you know, and um, I think at some point, you know, we just kind of have to look at, well, uh, is the ROI we have in mind achievable or do we have to be a little more flexible with what we're willing to have be the, the spend and we'll see how that all kind of plays out um, anyway um, seems like I'm parking in all kinds of different places these days um, but today yesterday I parked in a spot that ended up being shaded so that was pretty cool and uh, yeah we'll, we'll go from there I see someone Walking without shoes. I wonder what that's all about. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday.